Hello, everybody. Before we start today's episode, I am so excited to announce that we officially have a new sponsor of Simply Finance with Shane White, and that is Routine. Um, I actually had one of the founders of Routine on the podcast as one of my early on founder series episodes uh, back in 2020. And um, they are now officially the sponsor of Simply Finance with Shane White. So, so excited to announce them to all of you. Uh, Routine was founded by a husband and wife with one simple goal, establish healthy routines for healthy lifestyles. The founders tried a lot of hydration and wellness supplements and found that most are full of sugar, synthetic ingredients, and were also made overseas in uncontrolled environments and didn't accomplish what they claimed to do. Instead of, in running in, sorry, instead of reinventing the wheel, uh, Routine looked to time-tested natural ingredients that generations of parents have trusted. They focused on creating products that keep those natural ingredients whole but make them more convenient for our modern, busy lives. Their newest product is called Mo- Morning Routine. Um, just so you know, when we sleep, we lose around a pound to a pound and a half of water, expelling vapors, sweat, etc., each packet of morning routine, which they come in a single serve packet, little tear away packet you dump in water. Each packet contains half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, and Himalayan sea salt. This combination has all six essential electrolytes and most importantly, no sugar. As I mentioned, it's just a one uh, serving tear packet that you dump in around 20 ounces of water. Um, they suggest you start your day with this. That's why it's called morning routine. And as always, routine is made up of trusted ingredients made convenient. The link to routine is in the show notes. If you want to just go and find that, click, and it'll take you to their website. Or you can go to yourroutine.com. And as an offer from routine to all of my listeners, if you'd like to get 30%, which is a huge discount to start off, 30% off your first order at yourroutine.com. Or again, link in the show notes. At checkout, use code ShaneWhite30 to get 30% off. All right, everybody. Hope you guys check out Routine. Um, you know, as you all know, I normally always share with you guys brands, um, products that I'm passionate about. Um, you know, I've talked about Robinhood, talked about Whoop in the past, and Routine is no different. Um, I do believe in what they're building. I love their products. Uh, morning Routine um, has been something that I've been taking and have seen great results. I honestly just feel more energized. Um, I feel more hydrated, if that makes sense. Like I really do. Um, and so I think you guys will love the product. And as always, like I said, um, if you use Shane White 30, you can get 30% off your first order. So it's a great way to try out the product and see if it's something that you can enjoy. All right, everybody. The next episode is up right after this. Hello, before we start today's episode, just want to give you guys a little intro. So today is Founder Series number 24 with Elliot Sharifi. Uh, He is the CEO and founder and chief hummus officer of Abor Foods, and I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that right. Um, He's an awesome guy. He is, we are very similar in age. Uh, We actually both have, and he dives into it a little bit for him, but just as a reminder, we actually both have very similar backgrounds um, from college uh, schooling. Um, both went out into the workforce and, and started in corporate America. And he made the leap to entrepreneurship um, sooner uh, than I have. And uh, it's very exciting to hear his story. 
you know, a lot of the founders on here and every founder I've had on here has their own story, their own perspective and, and own way of getting to where they are today. Elliot is one of the first people I've had the pleasure of talking to who is really doing it a very, very different way, a uh, very different end goal in mind. And uh, I loved learning about what he's doing. Uh, he's built something pretty damn cool. And I hope you guys love this episode. All right. Without further ado, give it up for Elliot Sharifi. All right, everybody, we are live. Uh, we are here with Elliot Sharifi with uh, another episode of the Founder Series. Elliot. Hey, how's it going? Good. What's up, Thank Shane? you for joining. Appreciate it. Do you want to give everyone a little intro to yourself? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, you got my last name right. And did I? I you, was about to you ask. Did. I was going to be bummed if I screwed that one up. You, <laughs> yeah, you didn't call me Shafari, Sharafi, so kudos to you on that. And you didn't ask me how to pronounce it. That's true. I didn't. You're right. I was yeah. I literally it was in the back of my head as I was I was saying. As you were like, saying, I, really you're like, I, I hope I don't up. screw this up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm Elliot Sharifi. I'm living in San Francisco. I started Obor Foods about say three and a half years ago. Now um, we sell gourmet hummus, tahini, pita chips. Um, at local farmers markets around the bay, um, about ten each week now. Um, I started the business from the ground up, bootstrapped it, no investment. Um, kind of started it on a whim, to be honest, um, for reasons that I can go into later. And about three years later, um, got about eighteen employees part time. Uh, kind of activate on the weekends, sell our stuff, and kind of rinse and repeat each week. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll just jump in. The first question I had was just like, yeah, how did you, I'm assuming hummus must have been either something you were fond of or family was fond of. Or yeah. I've been so curious on like how you decided to get into the space in general. Yeah. So I get asked that a lot. Um, and, you know, our, the, the hummus that we currently sell are mostly flavors that no one has, um, has had before. Like I do a hot curry hummus with Madras curry or a uh, Zug hummus, which is like a kind of Yemeni-inspired blend, um, and these were these are my own recipes. I never really oh. grew up. Yeah, I never really grew up. I I I come from a Persian Jewish household, and you know, the Jewish side of me ate a lot of hummus, but the Persian side of me didn't really touch the stuff. It was okay. never served at home at you know grandparents' house. Um, but you know who doesn't love hummus? So I grew up eating the stuff and. I've always been kind of an avid uh, home chef, home cook, just kind of always um, gravitated towards cooking my own food since the age of like eight. Okay. Um, and so, you know, three months before I started the business, um, this was probably in like May of 2017, um, I made hummus for the first time. Oh, wow. In, okay. uh, in, yeah. In my, like, what was it? One quart, two quart. Cuisine art uh, food processor. It always starts in one of those, it seems yep. like. <laughs> yep. I, I burnt it out like two months after that. Um, so when, but, you did, when you made it the first batch, did you garbage. were you planning were you planning on doing starting a business or you just were like nope. had a you're just like, I just want to make some homemade hummus? I just want to make some homemade hummus. And 
you know, I still have a photo of that first batch on my phone because I had sent it to my girlfriend. I was like, look, I made hummus. Um, <laughs> and it, it was terrible. It was, it was the chalky, the flavor was off. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. But, you know, with, with anything cooking related, you iterate and you, you know, you swap out the ingredients, you, you get better and better and better. And um, I started taking the spices that I had in my home cupboard, you know, Madras okay. curry, garam masala, um, you know, cumin and coriander and kind of just. Uh, experimenting at home, like obsessively making hummus for, for yeah. whatever reason. If you and and this wasn't in the aims of starting a business quite yet. Um, with the aim of starting a business, this was just like some dude bored. Okay. Um, on the weekend, more of a hobby. Yeah, more of a hobby. Like uh, the Trader Joe's stuff is not that great. So you know, what can I do to to make it myself cheaper, better, whatever? Got it. Okay. Um, and so what I ended up doing was taking my stuff to work. And, um, so you, you and I have not too uh, dissimilar backgrounds. I have a business degree from Cal undergrad. Okay. Um, and I went into corporate FP and a, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Corporate FP and a, so I, I freaking took it to my finance team members and I was like, Hey guys, you guys want some hummus? And Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, they loved it, and they essentially told me, can you make this for us, you know, on a Sunday night and bring it okay. to work on a Monday, and we'll pay you some cash for it. And from there, my entrepreneurial light bulb kind of went off, and I was like, okay, if, if I have something that someone, you know, these eight people want to buy, then who's to say that the rest of the city of San Francisco doesn't want some? Yeah. You know, would have right. wouldn't buy it. So um, that was like two months before I left that job with the, and, and the next day um, I formed an LLC okay. and got the paperwork and kind of hit the ground running, Googled how to start a food business in San Francisco. <laughs> Love that. And, I mean, I can, I can keep going. Yeah, no, I no, this is going. great. I think people find <laughs> yeah. a lot of interest in this because yeah. I mean, that's the kind of stuff uh, I think early on people love to know because most people who aren't in entrepreneurship, I mean, you usually have some sort of job like you did. And right. it's, it's pretty funny that, I mean, your, your first step was bringing in for free to give to people to try it and it turned into they wanted to pay you for it. At that point, so you said you left two months later. Was that because you were like, I'm going to do this full time or is it you were just leaving the job? Yeah, it was a little bit of both. So, you know, I was kind of phasing out at that company. Okay. Um, I was, I was there for a couple of years and, um, you know, I was looking at, at other finance jobs at other business at other companies. And the, the hummus thing was just like eating at me. Okay. I'd, yeah, I'd wake up thinking that. about it. Yeah. I'd wake up thinking about my life as a hummus entrepreneur. I'd wake sure. up, I'd yeah. obsess about it. I daydream about it. And I'm like, I go to these, inter I would interview, I, I interviewed at Airbnb and um, during the interview, I was like, I don't want this job. Nah. I really don't like this. You know, this is a six figure even finance a young, job. Even at a young company like that, you know what I mean? Which is probably highly, yeah. highly sought after. Definitely. And what's funny is the company I was working at, uh, got sold to Airbnb. Like oh, that's two, funny. two years, two years <laughs> later. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that 
follows my like intuition. So if my heart's not in something, then there's no point in doing it. Um, so I stopped interviewing for these jobs and I was like, look, I, I looked at my bank account and I was like, okay, I have this much cash in the bank that I've saved up um, at the age of 26. Now I'll save, you know, uh, what, what kind of runway does this give me? Yeah. Assuming, let's just say I was unemployed. What kind of runway does this give me? Um, and it was less something. It was pretty good, like at least a year, I'd say. Okay. Um, even in so, San Francisco, that's great. That was, even that was, in San that was Francisco. Me my first question is like, you picked one of the, the most expensive most places expensive. to like quit yeah. a job and figure out a new business. Yeah. No. Luckily, I had like um, business, you know, business from high school and college that allowed me to save up some money. Oh, nice. Um, fixing cell phones on a uh, for a couple of years. So. So your entrepreneurship uh, has it's start, in my blood. started, yeah, I was going to say, that's something you've been doing forever. Since I was like 14. Okay. I, I was, I somehow have the uncanny ability to turn $1 into $2. Love it. Hey, that's you, an yeah. important skill. Yeah. So, um, where was I? Um, so yeah, decided to do the hummus thing. And from there, you know, my whole, like I said, I bootstrapped this with my own money. There was, there was no investment. So, um, my goal from the get go was to not bleed cash, you know, a thousand dollars to, to me, um, is a lot of money. You know, you got, you got companies that are bleeding, you know, 40, $50,000 a month, but I'm like, sure. I, I can't afford to, to lose. So you, were, you were worried about profitability early on. Immediately. Love that. Immediately. That's, that's an important piece to this. I have, I have a feeling. Yes. Um, from day one, I, I mean, I took my modeling abilities. I was creating income statements and yeah. financial models for my old, for my old company. So I was like, let's, I'll, I just took the, I cloned my models, put them, you know, uh, uh, adapted them to my food business. And I was like, I had an income statement. I had a P and L every month, you know? Love it. And, um, and so, you know, like from the get go, first thing you got to do is look for a space, right? Um, a commercial space. Cause I, I knew I couldn't make this stuff in my home kitchen. So can I, can I pause you too? Just cause that question I think will be interesting. For, sure. I'm sure other people are thinking too. You, yeah. um, you're at this point, you're like, I'm leaving my the job. I just went to school for, I'm making good money. I'm in San Francisco. <laughs> Were you, did your parents, were your parents on board with this? Or like, what, I always think back to that. I'm like, if I would have been leaving and that's when I jumped, I'd be so curious what, you know, my parents yeah. would have said, cause that's, yeah. you know, it's, you spent all this money and time to get a degree and then now you're going to go do this. And then, yeah. I mean, so my parents came here 35 years ago from Iran and, oh, wow. you know, they're, they're, yeah, they're, I, I was the American dream, the, yeah. the kind of culmination of the American dream for them. So when I told my, my, my mom thought I was insane. Um, she was, she was legitimately ashamed of me for the, for the, for like the first time in my life, she was ashamed of me. Um, my dad, uh, was, was even funnier. He, he, he barely speaks English. Um, so him and I speak Farsi together and in Farsi, he, he tells me, you know, I told him dad, I want to start a pumice company. And, um, I didn't really get into the details of it, but what he essentially told me is like, so let me understand this. Let me get this straight. You want to sell hummus and falafel on the side of the street, on the sidewalk? You... <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I, it, it took about 
it took about I'd say a year and a half for them to finally get it. Okay. Um, once once things took off and once they realized, you know, they're in LA, so once they okay. saw my operation and they were like, "Oh shit, you you started a business. You started a, this is real, like a real thing. A real profitable like you got returning customers, you've got a product." Um, so luckily, you know, they've they they see the light and um, they're fully supported now. Got it. Okay. No, that that makes sense. That makes sense. Um did you and then not I know you want to get back to the, like the beginning here, sure. but the the other question I had to build on that was um did you ever did it cross your mind to like either keep the job or take the Airbnb job and do this on the side so you can like still generate income or did you feel like you needed to just fully focus on this for this to take off? I needed the full the full focus. Um since I had the the runway, I was like I, I don't need to work. Um, I don't need to force myself to work. Let's just full steam ahead on this thing. Every waking second, you know, is going to be dedicated to this, to, to starting this company now. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. Yeah. So because, you're... I mean, if I, if I was working for someone else, you know, I wouldn't want to hire somebody who is like one foot out the door. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. Um, so... You know, and I, I have a big mouth. If I were to work someone else, I'd work somewhere else. I'd be like, "Hey guys, let me tell you about this hummus thing I'm working on." And you'd be bringing the hummus in every day. Yeah. So you know, they're they're smart people working at Airbnb. I don't think they would have appreciated that. Got it. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. Totally makes sense. So you, back to where you were saying. So you started looking for like a commercial space right away. Did you? Were you actually like hand making it at first in your like kitchen? In my trying to kitchen. sell that. Yeah. Um, there was, so I reached out to the caterer who was catering our lunches at um, my old company, Got Hotel Tonight. Okay. And because I would rack my, I racked my brain, I was like, who do I know in the food business um, in San Francisco? And she was the only one, the only person. I didn't know anyone. Okay. So she kind of took me under her wing for a month and showed me, you know, the suppliers she went to, um, talked about the licensing. She was like, this is going to be the pain in the ass, you know, finding the space, finding the, li- uh, getting the licenses, um, implementing, you know, you, you need a supply chain. You can't just go to Safeway and buy garbanzo beans and garlic, you know, yeah. you need a supply chain. Um, so, you know, she, she, the first month was her telling me, like, You've got something good. Okay. Um, you got something good. Pursue it. And so, you know, she told me, "Look, you need to find a space." Um, and I'm like, "So how do you how do you do this?" She said, I have no idea. Um, and there aren't really any spaces in the Bay Area. There's a few um, that are dedicated to like incubating small food businesses, but they're incredibly expensive. Sure. Um, yeah. I've seen and, those in Chicago. They're that's where I'm at, and it's yeah, yeah, they're crazy. Thirty bucks, forty bucks an hour per person. Um, storage is crazy expensive. You know, it's just I I couldn't afford that, and I couldn't in good conscience spend that much money. Yeah. Um, so what I ended up doing is I went on Yelp and I typed in San Francisco cater or a cater in San Francisco. Yeah. And 
the first like 90 listings, I sent the same email to every single one. Scrappy. Hey, yeah, this is all scrappy. I mean, I, I can tell you what I did with my product design after this, but um, I sent the same email. Hey, I'm Elliot. Um, I'm building the foundations of a hummus company. And um, do you have space in your commercial kitchen for me? Um, I have insurance. You know, I'm not an idiot, but, uh, you know, what, what, can we, what, what do you have? And of those 90, um, like four got back to me. Oh, wow. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Four, four got back to me. And then I ended up going with one of them. Um, and first, first three years of my business, I was in that spot. Oh, so was you just, did, it was just in a, like a catering kitchen. Yeah, no, this, this guy had a 6,000 square foot space. Um, oh, wow. that's huge. Yeah, big space. Um, really great guy. Uh, and he, he, he didn't advertise or anything. He had like two or three small food businesses already there, and he he his company took up like a probably half the space, and then the other half was dedicated to like you know he would he would essentially pay his rent from from us uh-huh. his total rent. And yeah, he had a great uh, great uh, model going on too. Sure. So I saved some money from going to these like dedicated food incubator uh, kitchens that advertise, "Hey, come to us." Um, and I was there for like since actually till September of last year. And that's oh, wow. I really, okay. I really outgrew the space yeah. in three years. Um, but that's how I found that space. Um, label design was similar. Like I got quotes from established agencies for, I don't know, three, four thousand okay. for, for a product label. I ended up going to, we have a, an art university here in downtown called Academy of Art. And I went on their website and I went on their graduating class of 2017's uh, portfolios. And I found a guy, name is Wade, Wade Broadstreet was his name. And It's a cool he, name. Cool name. <laughs> awesome, dude. He designed my logo. Oh, very um, cool. Yeah, nice. he designed my logo. I was like, look, I want a lion, I want a sun, I want a sword. Yeah, I love your guys' uh, logo. I was just looking yeah, at it. thanks. It's um, it's based on the um, the imperial Iranian flag of oh, okay. pre pre nineteen seventy nine, um, and I always I I you know it's a kind of a um, it's a like a homage homage to my background and you know it looks cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Day. I like I like the idea. It's very unique and it uh, it stand it stood out to me when I first saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when people see it on a jar of hummus, they're like, "This, you know, it, it, it like you said, it stands out." Yeah. Um, so he designed my stuff. The dude wanted beer money. <laughs> he didn't. He. I'm another like another scrappy move, man. Yeah, and I had to. And my, in good conscience, I, I was like, "Dude, let me give you at least, you know, hundred bucks." Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> Two hundred bucks. So, um, you know, that's so okay. I had a space. I had labels. Um. And now I was on the hunt for like, and I had, I had a production space, I had labels and I'm like, now I need to sell this stuff. Yeah. Okay. I need to find, um, I need to find, uh, you know, a market, like literally or figuratively a market where I could go in, have product and exchange it for cash. Um, and so my, my immediate goal was like, find a farmer's market. Um, 
you know, that's, that's where I want to be. Farmer's markets, easy to break into. Or so I thought, um, you know, you go in, you sell a thousand dollars worth of product. Your ROI is instant. You don't have to worry about, you know, selling a case to one store, another case to another store. It's, it seemed like the right way to go. Okay. Yeah. Um, and feel free to stop me. Mm. I, I know I'm kind of talking a mile. No, this is great. This is great. No, okay, I love good. to hear the progression. Hearing like the good. story and the progression, I, I'll come up with questions as we go. Yeah. This is, yeah. this is fantastic though. Excellent. Excellent. So um, I started the business in August and in you know September, October, I was like, I have, I can finally kind of go to these farmers markets, chat up the managers and um, hopefully get into a booth. And they all said no. Every single one. A, they they were like, we already have a hummus vendor um, at these farmers markets. We don't know who the hell you are. Yeah. Um, we've never met you. We don't trust you. And you know, despite the fact that we can have seven different blueberry vendors, we only want one booth selling hummus, Re- regardless of the quality, regardless of the um, you know. Because I went in there and I'm like, look, I'm making the best hummus. Um, hummus is is kind of traditionally you whip it up, it's three or four bucks. You don't use the best ingredients and, and that's it. Um, is there a my, reason to they wouldn't want more than one? That seems so funny at a farmer's market. I've never heard. I just don't, I don't know the background of farmer's politics. markets. But, oh, really? Okay. Because do you pay politics. like a fee to sell at the farmer's market? So that yeah. it's like a business for them? Yeah. So they, farmer's markets, um, the general structure is there's one organization running, you know, some run 40, 50 a week, others run two, others run, you know, others are independent and just run one. Um, but it's an organization that runs multiple locations each week. Okay. And, you know, Hummus has been at farmer's markets for probably since before I was born. So they, most of these um, organizations already had a vendor. Um, and, you know, it's all about relationships and these guys were entrenched and, um had been there for decades and you know some new guy comes in and he's like i have a better product i have um i'm brand new take me take me yeah um so i was going against like really strong headwinds um and it was like looking back so it, so getting i was told no pretty much every weekend um by all it's these crazy I, I never knew that was such a like a political thing oh, i always dude, think it, of farmers yeah. markets as like this fun friendly like everyone's here to sell some some cool stuff yeah, but it's money. Yeah, right. Yep, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I kept getting told no. And I was like, okay, well, I have to make money. Um, and so I ended up approaching the gym that I was a member of, um, I was a member of an Equinox gym, really high-end, expensive gym. Oh, yeah, you got them here. You got them? Yeah, yeah, they're everywhere. Um, And my old job was paying the subsidy for this gym membership to the extent that I was paying maybe 50 or 60 a month. Okay. Um, So once that ended, the, you know, once that ended, I was like, I want to keep going to this gym. Um, But I obviously can't pay $250, $200 a month. Right, crazy. Yeah, on a... I'm, I'm unemployed right now. Sure. So I went to the membership advisor of the gym and I was like, is there something we could work out where I can bring you guys some hummus um, in exchange for a membership? Really? He put, yeah. 
he put me in touch with the event manager. And I ended up being, every Friday, they had a hummus happy hour at this gym. and Because of pre- you? Or this is something they had before? It was, they started the happy hour. Okay. And I, would, I provided the um, hors d'oeuvres, part of the hors d'oeuvres. The, the hummus awesome. in little, in little two-ounce cups with pita chips. Um, and I, and I basically worked it out so that, you know, I would charge them maybe like a buck or two a head and the other, uh, uh, four or $5 would go towards a membership. So I'm getting my cost from these guys. They're getting a good deal. Membership doesn't cost them anything. Um, I'm getting my cost back. So I'm getting some money, um, to go towards my rent and my ingredients. And the, the most, the best part I'd say out, getting out of this in the beginning was getting a, um, a regular cadence for production where, oh, yeah. yeah, that was actually the, the key because I could say, okay, every Thursday now I know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be making the hummus. Um, every Friday I'm going to be serving it. And so it put me, you know, a, a, running a business is just a schedule. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's just, a, you do this on Monday, this on Tuesday, this on Wednesday, this on, or food business, at least a product, a manufacturing business. Yeah. Um, so it got me into that, that groove and that routine, that grind. So sure. yeah, it changed my mindset a bit. Um, and so I worked with these guys, those guys for like, I'd say almost a year getting my name out. Wow. And, and yeah, that's like and a, that's a good clientele for a premium product like yours. That's like totally. perfect. And you know, I sold them on the fitness, on the um, on the health aspect of it. Sure. <clears throat> Excuse me, on the health aspect of it, and you know, they were willing to drop like ten bucks on a nine ounce jar of hummus, um, no questions asked. So you'd have like the samples, and then you bring full containers. And then I bring full containers. Yeah, you know, I packaged everything using pastry bags, and um, it was a lot of fun. You yeah, know? I bet. It's, it was a lot of fun. Is this was it wasn't even that long ago. This was like late 2017 to mid 2018. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, and met a ton of cool people, and it was it was just this test of like, do I have a product? that people want to buy. Right. And so going to these happy hours, you know, despite the fact that maybe I'd bring in three, $400 a week from them, um, that kind of cemented the idea. People were like, yo, this stuff's really good. Where can we buy this? You're going to yeah, blow up. It's like a, this it's is... like a proof of concept. I mean, proof of essentially. Concept. and you got a yeah. free gym membership out of it, right? And so I got that's... an awesome gym membership. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so that's, that kind of was, was my, my base um, of like making the product, getting getting positive feedback, and so from there, I'm like, look, these these farmers markets are taking way too long to break into. Where what's next? And so next door to my production kitchen um, was is still a brewery, uh, and one day I walked into the brewery. It was very small. I mean, it's one of those breweries. It's like it's like a uh, micro, like a micro pub type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the owner was sitting right there, and I'm like, "Hey, uh, I have something that you guys, I think, would do well here." And he's like, "Sure, all right, let's let's try it." I walked over, I brought him some samples. He's like, "This is great." Placed an order right then and there for like 40, 50 units of 
hummus and pita chips to serve at the brewery. And so that was, okay, I got a revenue stream there. Breweries, bars, breweries. A lot easier to get into. Um, not as much politics as the farmer's markets. Right. And so I started approaching bars and breweries in San Francisco um, to sell, you know, I'd sell it to them for like five bucks, just little, you know, six ounces of hummus with uh, like four or five ounces of chips. And, um, you know, okay, there was another revenue stream. Great. Yeah. Now I'm, so I'm building the business. You were kind of building a wholesale business or was this more for them to then sell? Like, would it be if you went to the bar and you ordered a hummus as an appetizer, it would be your hummus? It would be, yeah, Obuwer hummus, um, pre-packaged, ready to go. You know, oh, these nice. guys didn't. These guys didn't have a kitchen, so I was doing all the packaging. Right. Um, they're there to serve beer. They don't want to worry about you know it's grab and go. Yeah, right. Um, and that was that was what I was selling them on. I'm like, look, your profit margin is whatever. It's out of three out of nine, so thirty three percent. And so you know it works for you. Your customers will love it. Um, and so you know I was leveraging. They're big. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, this is the, these guys are like probably doing at least five million sales a year, and I'm wow. probably I'm probably lowballing that at this point. Um, but yeah, they were a great partner, and to this day, I still we still do business. Oh, very cool. Um, still, yeah, still do business, and so that's kind of slowed down a little bit because of the pandemic. Sure. Um, but yeah, so that was that was the brewery. Brewery, breweries were the second, like, okay, I, I can make money doing this too. Right. Selling right. hummus and chips. Got it. So you kind of went yeah. from really, it sounds like sampling and trying to prove it to like getting a few B2B locations to carry it and sell it to, um, then it sounds like, did you finally get to, I saw on your website, you, you are in farmer's markets now. So you eventually cracked that code. Cracked that like. code. Yeah. yeah. So I met a sympathetic market manager and he was like, dude, I love what you're doing. I love the jar. Um, you've got a great attitude. You know, you make it in San Francisco. The jars are reusable. Um, right. We already, we, are, we already have the, these guys, these other entrenched businesses in our markets. But why not? There's always room for more. Right. Okay. There's always room for, you know. So, and this was the first organization that out of like five or six that finally was like, yeah, we see you, dude. Like, we're, we're open to bringing you in, you know, our current vendors be damned. Yeah, um, right, if you've right, got right. a better, if you've got a better product. Then hell yeah. And this is America. This is, we compete in America. So. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so, yeah, I got into one market. First farmer's market was um, in May of 2018. Nice. So okay. this is May. August was when I started the business. Yeah, I mean, so, this is only what, what was that sick? Uh, nine yeah. or so months, yeah, eight or yeah, nine yeah. months. Um, but I mean, eight or nine months when you're going from zero to you know when you're starting from zero, that's a lot, and you're working almost every day. That's yeah. like that's eons. Well, and that's why I think sometimes people don't realize the difference between part time and focusing on it full time. I mean, if you just look at your calendar in a day and think about how much time you could spend on it, if you were at, you know, the Airbnb and what, yeah, how far you can get in eight months versus spending on all day every day, it's that is why it makes a lot of sense if you can afford it and you have the runway. I mean, that's yeah. that's why it works, right? Right. 
Right. It's the work you're putting in. That's awesome. So then, and then I noticed you, did you when did you launch like your website? Cause that's a whole nother thing that I wanted to get into was just oh, yeah. and how you're trying to, you know, I, I was curious from a distribution perspective, like where you are now, are you, are you from the story here in 2018? Did you end up, have you expanded into even like San Francisco retail at all? Are you selling sure. online anywhere? love to hear like how it's evolved over the last really year and a half. Definitely. So I have, I, I'm, we're well, most known for our hummus. Perishable, we make it fresh, it expires in 10 days. Um, but we also do tahini. And so the tahini comes in a bunch of different flavors, but the saving grace of the tahini is that it's uh, shelf-stable for a year. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. I've yeah. never had tahini. So what, what is, can you tahini explain is, what tahini is? is? great. It's ground up sesame seeds. You know, what peanut butter is to peanuts. Tahini oh. is, to, uh, is, to, is to sesame seeds. It's, it's getting the attention that it finally deserves in, you know, Western culture. It's, it's big in the Middle East. Okay. Um, it's huh. savory more than anything else. Love it. Savory, roasted, nutty, um, it's and the the health benefits um, are like tremendous compared to say like peanuts and almonds. Okay. Um, so I started making tahini to put into tahini is also an ingredient in hummus. Hummus is garlic, chickpeas, sesame seeds, lemon juice, and spices. Um, so I started making my own tahini to put into the hummus, and I was like, I should oh. probably sell the tahini too. Yeah. Right. Um, because. Even back then, I was like, I knew that I'd have a tough time breaking into retail with a 10-day shelf life perishable product. Oh, is that what the hummus? The hummus is 10 days perishable. Yeah, we don't process it. it. We don't, nothing. No, no, uh, nothing. Is that with staying refrigerated, it's 10 days? With staying refrigerated. Yeah, you could freeze it. Um, I work with a few distributors who move our hummus, but it has to be frozen. Okay. And thawed out um, in the, you know, in the customer's refrigerator. Got it. Okay. Um, but so to, to, to go back to answering your question, um, but the, I mainly distribute the tahini. Okay. And that's what I'm gearing up for, like, you know, a Whole Foods one day. Okay. Um, yeah. To carry. Um, the hummus is a little tougher for, right. like, wide-scale distribution. Um I planned for that from day one. I was like, I probably can't. I mean, maybe I can hit LA with this thing if we drive a truck down. Well, this is uh, funny. I mean, I okay. So just to give you like preference or I guess clarity on on me, like me yeah. and my wife definitely we love hummus, but we are the typical like I don't even remember the brand. It's like in a circular container with the red plastic lid. Sabra. Yeah. So what? So what is that then? If it lasts so long and they distribute that, is it full oh, of shit? I don't. Yeah. I mean, you've got potassium sorbate, sodium benzoate. You've got it's pasteurized, um, citric acid instead of lemon juice. Got it. And, okay. And and so I I saw that, and I was like, this is garbage. This stuff. It doesn't taste good. Um, you know, real food should not be able to sit on a shelf for ninety days. Right. It just right. Shouldn't. Yeah. Especially something with like garlic and lemon juice and garbon and cooked garbanzo beans. Like that's just not natural. Okay. Got it. Um, so that's, you know, that's the stuff that's on the stores. That's what everyone in, all over the world eats when, when they're buying hummus from a grocery store. Um, there is one brand of 
and this is the best hummus that you could buy, like wide scale. Okay. I met the owner. Um, they're called Ithaca. Look them up. They're they're not the best hummus, but they're the best that you could buy in a store. Okay. Um, and this guy cracked the distribution. I mean, he's I, he still probably has his issues because I think his shelf life is like not more than sixty days. Um, but they're doing HPP on on uh, on their stuff. Do you know? Have you heard? I've never heard of HPP. HPP. No. It's it's a different form of pasteurization. Um, high pressure pasteurization. So instead of using heat, you're using pressure. Hmm. And, you know, I'm not a biologist. I don't know how it works. But yeah. the pressure um, kills the bacteria to a point to where, you know, a 10-day shelf life can be, can grow to at least like three or four weeks. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I've never the, heard of that. Yeah. So I think they're in like Whole Foods now. I mean, I've told, I've met him, yeah. met the owner before. I'm like, dude, you're doing everything that I wish I could do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, one day. I mean, he had like, I think a three or four year head start, but, um, but, long, but is, either way, I mean, it goes to show that real food with hummus, I mean, real hummus really is not meant to be on the no. shelf as long as probably most of us eat no. it today. Right. No. And like, I've spoken to, um, VCs, you know, very like informally, just what do you think? And they tell me they're like, look, we've um, we've been burned by hummus as a category in the past because of these reasons. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, because of these reasons, you know, you invest a couple couple hundred thousand or a couple million in a hummus company, and they're you know it's got to stay cold chain. The entire distribution chain has to be cold. Um, shelf life isn't great, and the product itself, when it's distributed, is cheap. It's like three or four bucks. Okay. Um, so, you know, hummus for me is like farmers markets are the home, and you know, I've built like a mid six figure business with just hummus at farmers markets. Congratulations, that's fantastic. Thanks. That's so um, exciting. And you have it online, right? You can buy it online too and ship it. Not the hummus. Not the hummus. Okay. Maybe okay. maybe maybe one day soon. But the tahini, we ship it all over the country. Um, we distribute that. It's. I think I just actually landed my first um, store in like SoCal in LA. Okay. So it's yeah. it's it's awesome. still very small. And um, but have you thought about? And I'm getting way ahead of myself. But I, sure. this is my world. Uh, have you thought about the tahini on like Amazon, for example? Just. Is it a scale thing? Yeah. I've thought about all that. So I, I've run into a very kind of, uh, I don't know if I should be ashamed to say it or, or what. And you probably don't see this because I think a lot of the guys that you have interviewed don't see this because I think a lot of the guys you've interviewed are backed by investors. Yeah, a lot have been. But like I, where my business is at right now, I'm having a great time. Love um, that. Yeah. That's I'm cool, having, man. That's I'm, I'm, yeah. So yeah, Amazon, sure. Like definitely, you know, we will, we will get there, but, um, there's no one breathing down my neck to be like, Hey, you need to get your ass in gear, dude. We just yeah. gave you half a million dollars and we want to see your return. Right, right, right. No. And I love that. Cause you, to be honest, you're one of the few people that it sounds like profitability and honestly having a, a business background, I'm sure is a huge piece of this. I, I'm the same yeah. way. It doesn't seem like you could have logically built a business that wasn't financially sound, but it's it's cool to hear your story. And I mean, we've been going for a little while, and I think mm-hmm. people have heard quite a bit. 
that um, you, you've been able to build, there's, there's multiple ways to build anything, even in the food sure. industry, right? And for you to hear you say that you've done something, built it profitably to a point where you love what you're doing and you're happy and you're at a great spot. Like that's, that's the dream, right? That's what Thank everyone you. would want to it's, do. I, so I think that's cool. Yeah. It's, you know, without sounding, um, you know, too, too, like my head's not in the clouds or anything, but I'm, I, I started this because I was like, look, I'm making, um, hundred thousand dollars at my finance job and I'm right. miserable. Now, if I could somehow be my own boss and sell my own product and make the same amount of money, um, that's life. That's what I yeah. want. Right. You know, right, what, right. like I'm, you know, life to me is not, and I know this is a finance podcast, but life to me is not just making more and more money. Yeah. Money's great. I want to make more money, but also it's like, you know, how many days a week are you working? What are you providing to the, to, to the, to, to the public? Um, you know, it's kind of about living on my own terms sure. and, and, you know, being like, I was very unhappy being in the, in the corporate world. Right. And, you know, if, if, if I could somehow transform my life to a point where I'm making the same amount of money, but doing my own thing. Yeah. That's all I want. Right. I made hundred percent. That's all. I mean, yeah. I'm with you. That's, that's like the dream. Do you, um, I guess that's a good building question. So for you, sure. you're at a place where you're happy, you're doing great financial wise, but you did it in a profitable manner. So it probably for people who maybe don't know a lot about P and L's or how the, that all, that all sure. works. I mean, I mean for Elliot's business to be doing what he said is, you know, it's, it, that's a high sales mark. Um, but to be really profitable allows you to live off that versus needing to like chase venture capital to keep growing and growing and growing with new retailers, new doors. Like that's, I think the challenge that not everyone knows before they jump into things. I mean, that's one way to do it. But then to your point, I mean, then you're, you're constantly answering the call from your investors, whoever it is you truly belong to when it comes to taking money from someone, right? Like they expect a return on that. So Elliot controls his own destiny. That's pretty cool. Exactly. Um, so for you, I mean, at the scale you're at in the distribution you're at, I mean, like how, how much would you say you work in a given week? I think that's an interesting, you, you mentioned that I'd, I'd be curious to know. Yeah. So look, anyone that owns their own business is going to tell you they're always working. Sure. Um, but in terms of like actual physical, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always on my phone answering emails. Um, but I could get away right now because probably working 10 hours or so um, a week on this thing. Wow, really? But that's, that's fairly recent. I mean, I okay. got it to a point where, like, we're profitable. I can hire out for every job, delivery drivers, production, managers. Um, you know, we have templates and, I, you know, I've built this organization as small as it is, you know, 20 or so people, but everyone has a job and... If they show up every week, yeah, and everything works, then then great. You know, I'm only overseeing and I'm only managing, um, and you know, counting the, the money at the end of every weekend. Yeah, love it. Sometimes sometimes it fails, and I'm driving a delivery van, you know, six hours a day, and uh, you know, unloading coolers. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. But, so it's not, it's not like it's always rainbows, but it's uh, no. But that's part of owning a business too, right? Yeah. I mean, think of like. You know, if you own a restaurant, if you're some guy who started a restaurant, it's, it's not that, it's not that different. Okay. Got it. Yeah. yeah. 
No, that makes sense. That's really cool. Um, so it sounds like you, I mean, you definitely have aspirations to expand when it makes sense. And it sounds like in a profitable manner more so than anything and, and to make sure you can stand it up. Is there either like a product people can get excited about? Obviously, the, the ones you sell, I, like, I'm dying to try the ones that, on here. I, I got to try these. Now. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, are there any products in the future you're kind of thinking up? Is there or is there like just I mean, like for someone like me who's based out of Chicago, like are there distribution points you're going after um, that other people around the country are going to be able to try your products? Yes. Yeah. So my goal and I'm probably about. 75% confident that I could hit this goal okay. is that, is that people in if you're at, if you're in Chicago, there will be at least one retail location by the end of 2021. Sweet. That will, okay. that will carry our stuff. Wow. Um, you can always order through our website. We ship D to C, um, all the time. So, okay. you know, anyone who's listening can, can always just log on. Um, and the, you know, but I'm most proud of the hummus. Um, we, and this, this was never really my intention from the get go. I didn't think I could achieve this, but, um, every weekend we get people, you know, I've, I've, I, we do nine farmers markets and, wow. um, I'm not, I don't work these farmers markets myself. I have salespeople working them, you know, they set it up, they break it down, but they tell me, they're like, dude, something really awesome is happening where people come back to the booth. They try the product and they're, they legitimately say that this is the best hummus they've ever had. Wow. And yeah, That's awesome. and completely unprovoked. And, um, you know, we're not asking them to say it. I don't know them. Um, they're trying this. They don't know me either, but you know, that's what I'm told. And I'm like, look, out of all the hummus that is out in this world that these people have had, and these are guys like, it's not it's from, they run the gamut, you know, Americans, um, Arabs, Israelis, Jordanians, um, you know, people who know hummus are like, yeah, you, you make something really great. And, um, so, you know, to answer your question, what, what can, what, uh, what I'm most proud of is that in and of itself that, you know, I'm not saying it's the best hummus in the world, but, um, every week we set out, we make this stuff and, you know, 1,200 or so people in the San Francisco Bay Area can say that this hummus is is some of the best they've ever had. That's awesome. Um, so I, like, you know, we have leftovers, and I'm like, I give it out for free. I'm like, I just want to share this stuff. It's That's part it's, of, own, I think, in the being in the food business, too. It's like the, half the battle is getting people to try it. So, I mean, if you mm-hmm. have leftovers, you can get people just to try it, and it's good. I feel like I always tell people the two things. You got to have good food to win. So if it's really good... And then you can get people to try it. You can yeah. do the other, you know, tangible things right. I feel like yeah. those are the keys. Those are like the two biggest things that I see people that do well. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I, and and I, I don't know if we're we're out of time or anything, but let me know. Um, I got lucky in that I unlocked that piece almost immediately. Sure. Everything else I haven't done like executed as as well as I had every other piece I haven't executed as well as the fact that I have a good product that people want to buy people enjoy um you know so having that was like number one in Mm -hmm. the success of my business sure I think it's great I think um people sometimes overlook that I think you know what I mean I think sometimes just like getting the food right number one 
Um, it seems like such a simple thing, but I, I've noticed yeah. so many times that I've tried products where people, you know, are starting a business or you want to share and you're like, this isn't even, this is, doesn't, this, taste this good. is, yeah. Why, why? It doesn't taste good. Pay money for this. Yeah, exactly. Or and especially premium, right? Like if you're in, a, in the premium space of any of the categories, um, it's got to be good. If someone's willing to spend the amount of money they're going to have to spend on a premium product, it better be damn good. Oh, wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. No, that's that's fantastic. It sounds like your story is really cool, Elliot. Um, Thank you. I, it was funny. I have like all these questions that I like to ask and you just ended up hitting most of them. You just like were like <laughs> knocking them off. Cause I always ask questions like finance questions really for, yeah. for founders and for food brands. I love to understand like the bootstrapping versus raising money. Yeah. You're one of the first people that has really given a really good under, like a good background into why you did it the way you did it, which I think is cool. And pr- I'm sure part of that helps that you have a business background. So you yeah. just kind of, your frame of reference is thinking from like a P and L and an income statement and, and making sure you're doing things profitably. And it yeah. sounds like you are, um, I would, I love to ask, so we kind of understand what's coming to market, where you are, um, with a little bit of the future. I, I mentioned, you know, e-commerce, that's always a question because I, I live in the e-commerce world. That's like my, my thing. Um, for you, these are questions that I, lo- there's a few that I love to ask at the end with every founder that comes on. So maybe you, if you've listened to any of them, maybe, you know, these are coming, but mm-hmm. the first one, and I, I feel like you're going to have a good one here is, um, and I, I always lead with book, but I always tell people you can use, you know, podcast books, just source of knowledge. If, if a friend comes to you and asks for a suggestion, what's like the most, what's what, what book or podcast source of knowledge, whatever, do you suggest the most? Suggest the most. Um, well, I can tell you that like you can read business books all day, um, but I think the most valuable books that I've read are a little bit, they're beyond just business and um, they kind of speak to like spiritual development of a person and, you know, what they want out of this world mm-hmm. and their place sure. in this world. Um, so two, two great books that I'm reading right now that I've actually learned from, um, that I can say like, I've, you know, I put this thing down and I'm like, huh, so that's how this works. Awesome. First, yeah. first one, and don't get uh, intimidated by the name. It's called the dictator's handbook. Okay. And this one is all about, um, the world we live in, the power structures of the world we live in, um, go, ranging from a dictatorship and how dictatorships stay in power to organ uh, to uh, democracies, how democracies function, and then organizations, businesses, how how those get you know uh, how those because you know it's it's people at the end of yeah. the day, it's people sure. interacting with people. So um, that's been great. And another one is uh, it's called the Rumi Prescription. And what, what uh, was it again? The Rumi Prescription. And mm-hmm. I, I this is. Probably the last thing anyone on a finance podcast is interested in, <laughs> in hearing. Um, Love that. But, man. you know, we all have our demons and uh, we all are trying to get over stuff. And so this book, um, Rumi was uh, uh, an old uh, ancient Persian poet. And a lot of his poetry um, speaks on you know, love and depression and loss and kind of finding your place in this world. Whoa. Okay. Um, yeah. So love that. I mean, that's, that's the, the, just what I'm reading right now. There's, there's tons of other, other great stuff I can. No, that's fantastic. I, I think I love it when people give books that aren't like 
you know, the the five that you hear all the time. The intelligent say. investor and uh, yeah. the ten, what is it, the 10-hour work week? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, I was going to say, that, well, it's just funny. When you said 10 hours, I mean, that was like the first business book I ever read was Tim Ferriss, The 4-Hour Work Week. Yeah. And that's a and, great book. That's yeah, a great yeah, book. it's a great book. But it was just funny because I'm like, oh, wow, you've kind of, I was going to say you like Tim Ferriss, your business, it sounds like, kind of, you've kind of set yeah. it up to be, you know, you oversee it and you have everyone else on the ground managing it and you, sell, yeah. you reap the benefits because it's profitable. Yeah. And, and you sell something premium. Those are like the keys from that book. Exactly. But like those, those don't have, in my opinion, I mean, I, I could be totally wrong. I probably am. But that doesn't happen unless you have your like personal self and your identity not figured out but you know you Scoped have out. to kind of yeah you have to scope <laughs> it out and like those you know when i was like 20 and i'm 30 now when i was 20 i was i was obsessed with reading these books on like investing and business and econ and you know those are great but like success doesn't come from that necessarily. It comes more from who you are um, and how you interact with others and, you know, how you see the world. (laughs) And so, you know, yeah, no, I'm with you. I, um, the other thing I realized the more and more of those I read, but I just kept doing the same old, like literally like just doing my day job and outside of that, not trying to build anything. Yeah. Uh, like even before starting this podcast, I, I felt like I'm, I'm reading all these books. Why is nothing happening? <laughs> and one day I remember being like, wait, I should just stop. I should, the time I spend reading the books, I, I should just start something. Go do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go do. And then you'll, go you'll fail and you'll figure it out and you'll create. Yeah. yeah. And that, yeah. so I think books are great, but I think it's very cool to get books that are outside of business too. Cause even if you want to be successful in business, to your point, I think reading things outside of business actually can have a, you know, a better connection with what you want to achieve versus just trying to read about what you need to do to win. Yeah. Don't, I mean, paralysis by analysis is like so common. So common. And probably one of the most common, you know what I mean? When it comes to people in business. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I get asked this question that you just asked me, what do you read? Who do you listen to? And I'm like, honestly, I meditate and like, I just go out there and I make mistakes and I push myself and, you know, I, I have a lot of experience as a kid and, um, you know, I made a lot of mistakes as a kid so I can go off that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I can't say I'm one of those guys who's like constantly bouncing from this podcast to this podcast, you know, trying to figure it all out. I I personally don't think that that's the way to go. That makes sense. No, I, I totally, I'm totally with you. Um, so you're someone who sounds like you've you've automated a lot of things, but you're at the end of the day you're still managing a business. Yeah. Um, I always love to ask, what tools do you use to track track your goals and then just like daily tasks? So are you like a pen and paper type of person? Are you uh, you know an app person? What is it that you use to kind of just like manage your life and your business? Yeah, I hate apps. I, the, the less time I'm spending on my phone with my neck, you know, cranked down, the better. So I'm, a, I'm an old-fashioned pen and paper guy. Um, I'm sure you've heard this a ton. You make lists. You cross it out. Yes. do the same thing every day. I have a weekly goal you know, goal list. I probably get like through a third or half of that okay. each yeah. week. And then I write the same damn thing over and over again yeah. until I get it out. And then um, you know, every, week, every day I say I, I, I put down three tasks, uh, one, two, three in my planner. And I'm like, if you can finish, if you can get these three tasks done, and they're tasks, they're not grand ideas they're tasks sure yeah, um, yeah. if if you can get these done then you know you can consider the day um completed 
Gotcha. Um, I love that. That's really similar to what I do. Um, I'm not, not trying to do a plug or anything. I use this thing called the, it's called the full focus planner. Nice. It looks like this. Uh-huh. And it's the same thing. I mean, it's the only thing is, you know, you got to pay for it every quarter. It's built on like uh, each two pages is like uh, basically on the left, you pick out your big three. So it's like yeah. the two big things you need to get done. With it. And then the rest below and then on the right has notes. But it's, it's funny because I started using it uh, in the, at the end of last year. And I, it's the first time I wrote down my goals in a notebook and then actually like accomplished a bunch of them. Yeah. And it was because you, you, when you, I, I've, I just learned that like weekly I have like in here, you have like weekly big threes. So like, what's the three big things that need to get done this week. And then every day, what's the big three. And it all like levels up to your goals. It like has, it's, it's a very simple way to break down like daily tasks of course, or like goals yeah. in the daily tasks. I think anyone doing that, I mean, people who get the hang of it, they, they, all everyone I talk to that does it right. Uh, there's no right way to do it, but if you have some sort of method that works for you, it's crazy when you like do just think a couple things a day. And it's about, I always think it's, you see successful people, you notice they do, they do a few things good every day. And then over time that builds up into getting things done. Yeah. There's, there's nothing that separates a successful person. Um, I mean, it's, it's discipline. Yeah. Sure. And you know, the, it's just understanding that if you, you know, I separate my time between productive time and non-productive time. Okay. So what's non-productive time? You know, that hour that you spend on your phone just not doing anything and yeah. uh, digesting Instagram for no good, good reason. Sure, um, sure. You know, or just, um, uh, yeah, that's non-productive time where nothing is getting done. Now, productive time... On the other hand, doesn't necessarily have to be time that I'm like building my business or reaching out to um, stores or anything like that. It can be something as simple as getting up off my ass and doing the dishes. Yeah, right. Um, but I, I see like life as just a series of tasks that need to be done every single day. Yeah, sure. And they, no matter what, they need to be done to function as a human being. So, you know, the better you are at like getting up and just doing the tasks and getting into that groove, yeah. the easier it gets and the better you get at it. And boom, all of a sudden you're, you're disciplined. Right. Yeah. No, I'm, I, it sounds, it sounds simple, but it really can be. Um, yeah. That's awesome. I, the last one that I love to ask, and this is probably the most important is uh, how can people follow you, follow the brand, get involved and, and ultimately try the product? Sure. Um, so Instagram, Obour Foods, O-B-O-U-R Foods. Um, that's the page. I manage it myself. I am Love terrible it. at social media. I Like I said, I don't like spending time on my phone. Um, I, I gave you a follow today, so you got another follow awesome. today. Thank you. I, I make puns. and uh, I noticed you know, that. I loved it. I, thought I, I was like, oh, is, <laughs> i got to follow these guys. This is great. Yeah. It seems like yeah. he's running a fun ship. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, uh, that's how you find us online. Um, you can order through the website and, um, yeah, that's, that's how to find us. Fantastic. When, uh, whenever you, if it comes and it happens in 2021 and, uh, you guys end up getting distribution, let me know. Love to have you back on here. We'll we do. can chat about it and share it out and get everyone to go try yeah. it. And, yeah, um, I, I might do that and then come back and say, dude, I was wrong about everything I was telling yeah, you before. <laughs> then we'll just redo it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that happens sometimes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Elliot, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're a busy Likewise. guy, so I appreciate it, man. This was a great conversation. All right, Shane. And I wish I you the best of too. luck. Likewise. Have a awesome. good one. All right, you too, man. Thanks. Bye.